Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And in this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Adele Spragan. Adele is an award-winning author, a thought leader, and an international speaker and trainer. In 2020, she was awarded the Woman of Inspiration Award. And in 2021, she was recognized as the top behavioral expert of the year. Huge accolades. Her book, Shift, Four Steps to Personal Empowerment, has won three awards and is sweeping the globe, transforming how people are setting and achieving their goals. I hope you enjoy Adele and I's conversation as we talk about how to repattern and reprogram your brain, as well as at the end, talking about how organizations are now supporting this effort too. Hi, everyone. It's Jen Wall, And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I am sitting down with Adele Spragan. Do you know who she is? If not, you need to know who she is. She is a behavioral change expert. What does that mean for you at work? Well, she can help you develop greater or better patterns, better rewiring, so you can be the best leader that you can be. Adele, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, thanks, Jen. Lovely to be here. So Adele, let's, how do you even become, like, what, is, what does the journey of a behavioral change expert look like? How did you come to be interested in this subject and what do you do today with organizations? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm, my background is in personal development. So I worked for one of the leading personal development companies in the industry. And I did that for about 15 years, Jen. And The problem was, is that everything that I was teaching in terms of mindset and positive thinking and affirmations and get to your comfort or get past your comfort zone, none of it worked for me. And so I was teaching this and fully believing in it. But at the same time, I wanted my own entrepreneurial venture and I started three of them and I quit three of them one after another. And so every time I got to the brink of success, I would just turn tail. I would run. There was no amount of affirmation, positive thinking mindset, pushing past your comfort zone that could get me over that hump. And so I started to ask myself, okay, I, I said to myself, this cannot solely be me. After 15 years of doing this, there is something off with our operating instructions. So I went to university. I got my master's. I wanted to study the human brain and how we think and how our mind actually works. And sure enough, I discovered that we are using the wrong operating instructions. And so I created a new set of operating instructions. I've been teaching that for 10 years. The results are remarkable. And that is how I became a behavioral change expert. My gosh. And I love that. And I know we're going to talk about it too. Just, you know, that none of, I'm sure there's some listeners right now that can relate in the sense that all of those personal development books, you know, they, they give me all these tips, mantras, tools, but for some reason they're just not working. And I love our conversation because it's really going to get into understanding how your brain is patterned and how those patterns can impact you know, and determine how you react in a situation versus at that subconscious or unconscious level versus maybe how you want to or what you need to do to repattern. Because as you say in multiple parts in your book, you know, mantras aren't necessarily the effective thing to get you the behavior change that you want to see. Um, Just maybe from starting from, I guess, a scratch or a foundational point, what are patterns? 
Well, that's a great question. So if you think about your brain, our human brain is locked behind this bony skull and it's in this dark and silent room and it has no actual connection to the outside world. The only thing that our brain has to go on is these electrical impulses that are flying through these neural pathways, right? And each of those electrical impulses are delivering a particular experience of the world around us. So we think that we're relating to the actual situation we're in, but we're not. What we actually see, feel, hear, think, smell is given by a neural pathway that pre-exists in the brain. So if you think about your brain in that way, you start to see, oh, hang on a minute, all of this looking at the outside situation that I'm in, all of this, how do I change my way of communicating? All of this, how do I become a better leader? Just working on fixing what is going on around us or fixing what our thoughts are, that's actually not where everything is originating. It's originating in those pre-existing channels that we have to address first if we're actually going to make effective change. I like your, you know, the initial distinction that you made in terms of your brain isn't connected to the outside world. It's not, you know, physically connecting to it. Everything that it gets is the data that you put into it through your experience, through a host of things. Yeah. Um, the best but- way to see the brain is, is predicting or making a best guess as to what is going on around it, right? Yeah, making like trying to. So, your brain is essentially just based on what you've programmed into it. It's then having a response for you. At what age are we starting to actually program in kind of these, these patterns? I mean, is that just something that you've had pro- patterns your whole life? It just started there um, because it feels like there's the age where we don't notice that the patterns are being formed. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves maybe not liking our job, overreacting to a situation. And that's when we start to be like, oh, could there be something going? And I think even most people don't even look there. They, again, look for the mantras. So when do the patterns begin? Yeah, that's a great question. So unlike other animals, which are born intuitively knowing what to do in this world, human beings are born a blank slate. So we enter this world and we very, very quickly have to piece together patterns in our brain because patterns take action. Without Without a pattern, a person will not have an action. Okay, and that's important to remember. So from the moment we're born, every situation that, that we get through, that we survive, we get to the next situation, the brain just takes whatever was happening at that time and just stores it away for future use. So very, very quickly, this brain is piecing together patterns. And a lot of our patterns are, are created before the age of five, six years old. Wow. Then throughout childhood, we continue to create these patterns. In adolescence, there's a massive burst of pattern creation again. But by the time we get to adulthood, around the age 27, 28, that pattern creation starts to slow down. Now, that does not mean that we do not have the capacity to rewire. One of the most amazing findings that are coming out of neuroscience that we've known for a number of decades is that the brain is constantly rewiring itself. It is It has what is termed plasticity, and it's always trying to upgrade itself. The problem is twofold. One, once you have a a pattern for a situation, the brain prefers to rely on that pattern rather than create a new one because it's fastest route to action. That's all the brain cares about. Yeah, efficiency. Efficiency. (laughs) That's, That's what it's into, right? Now, if you hit a situation where you don't have a pattern, 
or that pattern that you do have doesn't line up with the situation, then your brain will rewire. But at this point, it happens spontaneously. What I like to teach is a method to take that from spontaneity to happening systematically so that when you're in a situation that doesn't work for you, you can upgrade the brain on demand. And that's where we're going in the future. How does working with brain patterns, you know, thinking about brain patterns, knowing that we just talked about other personal development methods that people have tried and that you found, I know that I found them too. There's not all of them work, right? I know in the book, you talk about mind over matter, like that stuff doesn't work, but how does working with brain patterns differ from the traditional approach of maybe working with someone on personal development methods or standard or the more, I guess, popular personal development methods that you see? Yeah. So you literally step out of one identity into another. So I'm going to give you an experience from my life. When I repatterned my pattern for quitting. So let me just describe what was going on because that might help. So every time I was, as I said, I started a new business, I was super excited initially. And that excitement was given by a neural pathway in my brain, by a pattern that pre-existed in my brain. I'm very creative. That also is a pattern in my brain. And then I would be going along this path and then boom, I would hit this boredom and I'd be going, what is going on? Okay, great. The question is not what is going on. Please don't ask yourself that question. <laughs> the, the thing you need to say to yourself is, oh, I have a pattern that is somehow hitting boredom when I get to this stage on the path. That's what I had to say to myself. So what did I do? Well, knowing it's a pattern, you can then go in and rewire the brain so as to remove that boredom. So now what happens? Well, I literally stepped out of one identity in which quitting was my only option into another identity in which you just don't quit. There's no needing to force yourself. There's no needing to um, push yourself past. There's no mantras required. There's no positive thinking required, right? It is just, oh, okay, I was this way. I no longer have that pattern. I am now this way because I am now a brand new identity. But that is powerful to be able to think about stepping in from one to another. And when I think about, you know, brain development, um, this is maybe more of a curiosity question. So knowing that the brain is constantly, you know, or has the possibility to create new patterns, what's the commonality between our patterns and the personalities that we have? Because as you were talking and sharing like, hey, I have a tendency to get maybe bored easily. Is it that some of us are looking at what our personality style is instead of thinking about what's our pattern or because that you're, and maybe it's because this is just top of mind because it was a topic we just taught at Crestcom, but it is interesting because in personality styles, you know, the notion is that that's something that's fixed. But if we look at it in the form of, of patterns, like maybe my personality style, you know, I hate being bored, but if I look at that as just a pattern for how I perceive the world, that would be a different approach. And it would cause me to find different solutions because I wouldn't be mining it from the perspective of personalities. I'd be mining it from the perspective of patterns. Is yes. this too conceptual, Adele? Am I, am I going too far Like in terms of even how this contributes to the personalities or the types of leadership styles that we have? I or love this question because <laughs> we live, Jen, in a world of blame and shame. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh Tell me, because I have my own experience that feels blame and shame, but I want to hear it at the broader level. I'm a, I'm a great blamer and shamer for myself. 
<laughs> yeah. And aren't all of us, frankly, right? We are so quick to say there's something wrong with me. I can't do this. There's something incorrect about how I'm doing this. Okay, great. How did we get to there? Because we have been taught that we are a personality, an identity, a self. You have been taught that there is an authentic self that you need to find. You have been taught that when you're doing something wrong, it is because there is something wrong with you. I like to say in life, there are problems. Life is a series of problems one after another. Now, that's not bleak. <laughs> then <the question laughs> that's becomes, just life. Also. That is life, right? <laughs> but how we're not taught to see life in that way. You know how you're taught to see problems? Problems are mistakes. I did something wrong, right? Okay. So, when we start to play in the world of patterns, when you see that the only thing that our brain is, is these neural pathways, these electrical impulses, and that's all it is, right? Then you can start to say to yourself, and again, this isn't going to sound bleak, but I'm going to have to re reword it or reflip it. There is no identity in here. There is no thing, Jen. There is no thing, Adele. There is just patterns, and it is patterns all the way down. Now, there is huge freedom and empowerment in that. It's like, oh, okay, I am arising as somebody who is bored. That is very different than I am a bored person. I'm arising inside this pattern as somebody who is bored, and I have a technique, a tool to repattern that. Now, who will I be? Whoa. Who knows? And that's amazing because who you're going to be then in the future is wide open. And it's like there is no one singular path that you have to walk down and correct as you go. It's uh, the future is just who you're going to be. Let's find out. See, I don't necessarily see it as bleak. Adele. Okay, I look good. at that as like, you know, an opportunity within to say, you know what, if something is not working for me today, let's find a solution, not necessarily the mantras, but let's examine and be curious with the pattern. Let's figure out, you know, what the commonality is in there. And then how do we address that? I love that approach. So I don't see it as bleak. I say it, I see it as, you know, taking responsibility that we can impact that. Yeah. Um, and can I change one word? In what yes. Said? Yes. Please you do. Said, please do. You're the expert. Please do. You said, I think you use the word correct or change. No. How about we just remove it? Right. Like that's really powerful. Oh How gosh. about we stop trying to fix ourselves because there's nothing to fix. There's nothing broken. You are a pattern maker. Your brain is a pattern maker. That is how it works, right? Some of those patterns right now are obsolete. They're old. They were aligned with a different situation at one point in your past. They no longer align with who you want to be today. How about we just go in there and remove that? I would love that. Can you do that? I have so many different things. Could you help me be less judgmental? I mean, you talked about the period of, of blame and shame. Like, yeah, I am an overly, I am one of those people that's extremely ambitious, but on the back end, I completely kick my own butt every single time I make a mistake, do something wrong, maybe say the wrong answer, even though I just didn't know and I was doing my best. And if you could give me a tool to say, Jen, you actually don't have to respond in that way in this life. You can think of and identify new patterns that help you. Like that is a new lease on life. That is not bleakness. That is opportunity for how you want to spend your precious time here. 
Am I? Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are not fixed personalities. We're not fixed beings. We are um, fixed as in stable, as in static. We are patterns which are just constantly evolving and changing or ought to be. There is only one problem on this planet, and that is nobody has taught us how to upgrade an old pattern that no longer works. Yeah. That's it. They just give you the tool. They give you the mantra. What do you mean? No one's taught you. Just push through it. Take it till you make it, Adele. I mean, that's right. That's the solution that I feel like so many people have. So let's go back to the basic level. Like how do patterns work? So how do they work in the brain or what's happening? And then we can go into talk about some maybe ones that you've seen in your experience that maybe are typical leadership patterns that leaders might have. Yeah. So I'll give you an example, which is in my book. Um, But this is a really amazing example of how leadership patterns show up when they don't work and then when they work. So I worked with one of my participants. Her name is Rose, and she's given me permission to share this story. And she was um, recently hired in a nonprofit organization. And one of her job responsibilities was running the meetings, the weekly staff meetings. Well, she noticed very, very quickly that these staff meetings would be derailed often, okay? And what she was able to notice, because she was aware, she had a lot of personal development background, what she was aware of was that she was allowing these meetings to get derailed because the men in the meetings were extremely powerful and she was intimidated by them. Mm. Now, how would typically a leader be taught to deal with that? Well, number of different ways, right? One way would have been learn, go to the men and ask them to cooperate. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them this is not going well. Let's talk about this. Let's find a way to cooperate. Sure. Okay. Not effective. And I'll come back to why. The second way she might have dealt with it is gone and complained to her boss or fired a couple of these men. She was their manager after all, right? Like got him or her to deal with it. Still not effective, and I'll come back to why. Third way may have been to got more, get more leadership training, right? Be better communicator, learn how to deal with those, those meetings better. Still not effective, I'll come back to why. All of these things are partly may work, may not work. But Rose at least knew about patterns. She had started working with me and she knew that there were brains in her pattern, in her, sorry, patterns in her brain that was causing her particular actions, behaviors, and beliefs. Now, what were those? Well, we can't actually say, but here's what we knew. We could see the result. The result was the meetings were getting derailed. Great. That's where Rose started. Because I'd like you to think about your brain as an iceberg. At the top of the water are all of your actions, all of your behaviors, all of your beliefs. Under the water, we are going to place those patterns. Patterns give rise to actions, behaviors, beliefs. In Rose's case, she could see that whatever she was doing was not keeping these meetings on track. Fantastic. That's where we started. I gave her the tool to remove those patterns. Okay, to stop being intimidated by these men. Now what happens? Well, the very next meeting she goes in and the meeting runs smoothly. The men paid attention. One of them even came up to her right after the meeting. It's a great meeting. (laughs) What happened? Well, did she stand a little straighter, for example? Was she stopping conversations in their track? 
Yes, of course. She was doing all of these things, but not because she knew to do these things, but because her pattern was now aligned with the meeting. She was now a different person who led the meetings differently. And that's what makes pattern making so effective. She literally stepped out of that identity in which she was intimidated into another identity in which she just wasn't. And at that point, everybody around her changed. That's powerful leadership. Yes, that's powerful leadership. And before I comment to that, I do want to say that for those that are listening, we are talking about um, some pieces and tools and ideas that are from Adele's book, Shift the Four Steps to Personal Empowerment. And so that's the book that we're referencing. And we'll let you know how you can get that at the end of the show. But I, I love that option of stepping from one identity into another. And you know, the, what speaks to me when I even think about that end outcome of feeling like maybe she's not heard, the meetings are being derailed. You know, I think of one thing, and this is probably a little bit vulnerable, but if anyone has gone through trauma, you might know one experience that I had that I had to very much work through when I was early on in my career Anytime there was an authoritative figure, typically a man, and it's a result of my childhood, I would become meek. I would probably sweat profusely. I would cower like a child. I hated being seen. And I just lost. I could be the most confident person five minutes before that in a conversation with someone else. And then the second that that executive leader came into the room, it completely changed how I even showed up. And so when I hear that, that took me such a long time to even create an awareness around why what I did that, you know, that took therapy, right. To understand what my challenges were. And gosh, I feel like you're giving a tool to people that, you know, by even focusing on what do you do or what's the outcome and being, is it, do you start then with like the curiosity around like, why do you think that curiosity, like, why do you think you're getting this outcome? Is that the next step in it is kind of that curiosity notion? Yeah, well, the beautiful thing about knowing how our brain works is we don't actually need to know the solution. All we have to do is identify the problem, which is really powerful. So how did I work with Rose? Well, the first thing I we, she looked at was, okay, the meetings are going derailed. So I said to her, all right, what is between you and the goal you're trying to accomplish? So she said, well, I'd love these meetings to go on track. I would love these men to listen to me and you know, and, and as have stick to the strategy that I'm trying to do. I said, perfect. So what's between you and that? She said, well, frankly, you know, like every time one of them glares at me, I just shrink. I said, perfect. That's your behavior. You're shrinking into yourself, right? She said, and then I giggle. I do this most stupidest thing. I said, good. That's, that's your action. You're, you're giggling when you shouldn't be, right? And then she said, oh my gosh, and I have this belief that I just look like a fool up here at the front of the room. I said, wonderful, that is your belief. So that's fantastic. That's where we start. Now I said to her, under each of those, there runs a pattern. And our job is just to remove that pattern. So I gave her the four-step repatterning technique, which is in my book. And she just worked on removing each of those patterns over the course of the week. Now, as she comes into the room again, she is no longer somebody who feels like she's making a fool of herself. She's no longer somebody who giggles. She's no longer somebody who shrinks and is intimidated, right? Because, you know, I always say to people, there's no logic in patterns. They were created when you were little. You don't have to know the originating incident. All you have to know is the result that is arising today. But, you know, they worked at the time. At the time, being intimidated by authority figures, in her case, right, was probably the correct thing to do. 
to shrink back to be small. Great. At that point, when she was a kid, that worked really well. Today, it just no longer works. Not good or bad. It's just, oh, there's a pattern that just no longer works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm eating this up. Like what are typical, so that one is pretty, you know, I love that example. Do you feel like there's got to be just a host, right? Based on our own uniqueness of complex patterning that we all have. And I'm curious from your experience, I know you work with organizations, you work with individuals. What are typical leadership patterns that you've observed that people might have maybe at a higher level? Like, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there, every person is unique because of our, all of our patterns are unique. So typically though, there is leadership patterns that we want to achieve, right? So effective communication, um, effective creative solutions, being able to guide your staff through or your employees through to those effective solutions. These are all things that we want. So let me give you new operating instructions. Okay, guys. The first thing you want to do is set your goal. So you have a leadership goal or something that the team is trying to create together. There's a vision. Fantastic. Your next job is not to ask, how do I get to that goal? Your next job is to ask, what is between me now and that goal? So let me just back up for a moment. If you have a goal, it is a sure sign that you do not yet have the patterns to accomplish that goal. Okay. Now, if you have the goal, it's a sign that you do not have the patterns to accomplish the goal. Okay. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, okay. if you have the goal, you would think that, well, if I, you know, if I think it, I can do it. So in my head, again, I'm not versed in this. So in my head, I'm like, no, because if you think it, you can accomplish it or accomplish it. But I want to hear that. So if you have the goal, it doesn't necessarily mean you have the patterns to support it. That's right. If you had the patterns, it wouldn't be a goal. It would be a realization. It would be an accomplishment. Ah, okay. So So the fact that you have a goal immediately tells me you're lacking the patterns to get to that goal. Great. That's where we start. So your next question is, all right, why do I not have that goal today? Now you're going to come up with a list of beliefs, a list of behaviors, a list of actions. And it might be as simple as, I don't know the steps to take. Great. Under there, there lies a pattern. It might be as simple as, well, I haven't communicated that goal. Great. Under there, there lies a pattern. And so we just take this list of what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're believing, what you're not believing, what you're behaving as, what you're not behaving as, and just simply recognize that under each of those, there's a pattern. Remove each one and you will take a step towards your goal. That sounds, you know, cause it is so layered, right? The, the layers of an onion. So how do yes. you begin to, I guess, prioritize the pattern? You know, the one that you think, cause if we're examining it and we're finding, well, there's a pattern into why I didn't communicate it, or there's a pattern as to why I haven't done this. Is there some type of a hierarchy that we have to use when identifying the pattern to help us understand, like, this is your starting point. Maybe it's my, you know, I'm just thinking of where's the origin, what's the start. And when it is that complex, How do you even begin to start processing all that and say, where, where do I begin to actually like turn the page on this and actually go forward and exploring that path? Is there a way that you recommend people in terms of how you prioritize your patterns in terms of this is the one that is worth and necessary for you to change versus this is one that's, you know, okay for the moment. 
whatever that might be? That's a really great question. I do a call that I call a deep dive call, which is really identifying the actions, behaviors, beliefs that are at the top of the iceberg. And the reason I do that is because when we get to the world of patterns, when you drop below the water, Jen, patterns are easy to identify. So I'm just going to give everybody how to identify a pattern. Okay. Yeah. A pattern is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, and thought. When the three aspects of our being come together, it causes a particular action, a particular behavior, a particular belief. Okay. So we can identify, okay, what's working or what's not working based on how you feel, what you think, and how your body is reacting to that situation. And if you're empowered, confident, optimistic, positive, creative, yeah, pretty, you probably have a pattern that works, right? If you're depressed, anxious, scared, um, angry, you probably have a pattern that doesn't work. That's, that's the only difference, right? Not good or bad, just one works, what doesn't work. Okay, great. So when we get to the world of patterns, the world gets really simple. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling then? And what am I thinking? But at the level of action, behavior, belief, which is where we are taught to experience the world, that's where things get complicated because we take actions that our conscious mind is not aware of. We hold beliefs that our conscious mind really doesn't know that we're believing. They're all in the subconscious. And that's where a really powerful listener will be able to hear those and say, you know what, Jen, I think maybe you ought to be, um, let's just go down that path a little bit. So you said X, Y, Z. Can you share a little bit more about that? And what that powerful listener is doing is listening for those subconscious, unconscious patterns that then will come up to the surface. Okay. Did that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. I'm not I sure think, if that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The question that comes to mind too, because I think in, and I read this in your book and I love this, that, you know, one of the, the Institute that I went to for my coaching certification, one of the ways that they have us, you know, typically start is with that thought determines, you know, what you do or the action that you take and then how you do it or the emotion that you feel. But one of the differentiators, and I know, you know, one of the differentiators that you make is that we actually don't really think first, we feel first. And I think that actually goes against how some people are actually you know, maybe educated. Um, and cause I appreciate that. So could you tell a little bit more about why it's not necessarily about focusing on the thought, like what's wrong with me? It's focusing on what your body's actually noticing, sensing, feeling. Yeah. So one of the surprising findings that's coming out in neuroscience in the last few decades is that the unconscious regions of our brain light up first before the conscious mind considers the action it's going to take. So that, that's going to take something to understand. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it this way. Let's say that we could hook a person's brain up with a brain scanner and watch what is going on in that brain. And let's say that that person picks up their phone at, you know, 2.36.02, right? That brain scanner would be able to know that that person would go to pick up that phone at 23600 a fraction of a second before they pick up the phone 
Okay. They think they're in control of that action. We honestly believe that we are choosing to pick up the phone. But when we know how our brain works, that changes everything. So it is true that our emotions are occurring first before our thought, before our thinking mind comes in and says, I want to do something. The impetus to act is already occurring at the level of the unconscious. I like to say, you want to know why your hand's in that cookie jar? That's why, <laughs> right? It's got <laughs> nothing to do with choice. It has everything to do with patterns. And I'm not talking habits here. I am actually talking the unconscious is guiding the show. Like we're puppets on a string when it comes to that conscious mind. So if we're going to change anything, we got to start at the level of pattern. So what's the difference? Because you just brought that up and I didn't think to ask this. What's then the difference between habit and a pattern? Because you so would habits I like to say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Habits are repetitive actions that we do over and over and over again, but they're still driven by a pattern. It's just that that pattern happens to be well used. <laughs> we'll call it that way. Yeah. So your pattern determines your habit. It's not, that's the easiest way to determine it. So they are different. Whatever pattern you have will dictate what type of habit you have. Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crestcom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crestcom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crestcom.com. Let's let's dive into the meat of how do you even start? I know that we went onto a different tangent and that was my bad, but how do we start to even get awareness and start to change our patterns? And where I kind of, you know, took our conversation in a different direction was on identifying the pattern. And so how do we start? Like, where do we start to even change our patterns? Yeah. So what I teach is a four-step technique, a four-step repatterning technique. It starts by identifying the pattern. So once we know what actions, behaviors, beliefs are in our way, once we've set our goal and we've said, okay, what's in the gap? And we've come up with a list of actions, behaviors, beliefs. The next step is to identify the pattern that is driving that unworkable action, behavior, or belief. So that's a three, as I said, there's three parts to a pattern, physical sensation, emotion, thought. It's just a matter of identifying where do I feel that in the body? What is the emotion that goes along with that pattern? And what is my thinking process along with that pattern? What's my mental activity, right? That's step one. Step two, we want to flip that switch. Remember I said that your brain is locked inside this bony skull and that it really has no access to the outside world, okay? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at a tree right now outside of my window. I really believe that I'm seeing that tree. I'm not. What I'm seeing is a neural pathway in my brain that is delivering tree, 
right? The experience of tree. Okay. So we need to flip that switch. We need to start owning what is going on in the outside world as the result of a pattern and not as a result of our situation. And that's just a matter of owning the pattern as a pattern. We actually use the words, I created that, right? But not from a position of blame, not from a position of I'm doing something wrong, but more from a position of at some point in my past, I created that pattern and therefore I own it. That's powerful. Okay. That's extremely powerful to understand that. And I'm curious, like, you know, maybe you'll touch on this too. Like what level of, what happens if you don't take autonomy or excuse me, responsibility for creating that pattern? You know, then what does that look like in your life? But that's a tangent. So many ideas are going through my brain right now and all through this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can answer that question, but let, let's do the other two steps first and then yeah. remind me of that question. We'll come back. So then the third step, now we have to do something interesting. Remember I said that the most powerful thing we can do inside the brain is not change a pattern. Because what that would mean is that you're just using another pathway in the brain. But if you could do what you need to do, you would not have a goal. You would already have accomplished what you want to do. So what we need to do is remove the pattern that doesn't work. And that's step three. And we do that through a process of surrendering. The only way to do that is to get to the unknown. All right. So we, that's, a, that's a tricky step for some, but it's very doable. Once you get it, you get it. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I can do this. And then once you do, that removes that pattern. All right. And then the fourth step is then to create that new pattern. But if we miss that step three, we're just moving around an existing brain that doesn't yet have the solution. So we're just essentially keeping ourselves stuck because we're not willing to take ownership and responsibility. So I guess that does come back to the question, what happens when we're not willing to take our ownership or take the responsibility for that? That essentially means that we're probably not even able to get to the point of step three because we're not, I mean, we're not obviously even at step one because we probably don't see it as our challenge or our problem or faulty programming. Yes. Sorry. Uh, No, that's absolutely true. Um, You know, once people understand about patterns, then they willingly take ownership of their patterns because it's so refreshing to be able to say, oh, yeah, that's mine. I can actually do something about that. But until we are taught about patterns, we really are a victim of our patterns. We really do end up just doing stuff and not understanding why we do stuff, behaving in ways that we didn't expect to behave and going, what's wrong with me? And creating that world of blame and shame internally and externally. That's what happens. And I think about the example of even, you know, I feel like I did a lot of learning and maybe this is for some people later on in life after I made some bigger mistakes. I'm like, oh, outside looking in, here's what I could have done. And when I think about even the first time that I received feedback, I initially went to that place of victim, which is, well, this is me. This is me and I can't do anything. And so I guess like, what do you kind of see people, where do you see people stunting in the process of feeling like, well, what was me? I just, I can't do it because shifting into responsibility, I see can be a thing that some people are unwilling to do, or they're still really holding on to maybe the blame and they're just not ready to even assign any or take any personal accountability for that. How do you overcome that resistance or maybe that pushback from people to want to take that responsibility for addressing it? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. And every leader out there, I'm sure, who is listening right now is is ears open going, how do you do this? <laughs> because it really is difficult if you're trying to uh, support um, somebody who you're leading and they just don't want to own anything, right? It's like, no, that's not me. I'd rather blame other people. Um, so the first thing to do, the, the theory of repatterning is really a way to start because when you understand that there is, let me just back up for a moment. Are you, Jen, responsible for your actions, your behaviors, your beliefs? Yes. Ah, I say no. Oh, no, why? <laughs> Remember I said that that action behavior belief is originating in the unconscious regions of your brain mm. and it is given by a pre-existing pattern, right? So you are not responsible for anything that you do anything that you believe or any behavior that you adopt. But what are you responsible for? You're responsible, but in the true sense of the word, as in able to respond to the pattern that gives rise to that action behavior belief. Okay? So when we know about the brain, when we know how this brain is working, there is no blame. There's nothing that you're doing that you're choosing to do. Your patterns are choosing on your behalf. So the only thing you need to do is reflect back on the action that the pattern took and said, did that work? And if your answer is no, to know that it was just a pattern, A, and to B, then have a tool in your pocket where you can remove that pattern. Oh my gosh. That takes all the the sting out of everything. I mean, as pattern makers, I watch them blossom because they're able to just take in all of whatever other people say, all of their blame, and just go, thanks for sharing that. I'll take care of that. What do they mean by that? Thanks for sharing. I will go and take care of my reaction to what you're saying by dealing with and removing my pattern, which is a reaction. That's power. That is to total power. But here's my, you know, next burning question is how do you make it? Because I think it's one thing to identify the pattern and then it's another to understand like where you want to go. But then it's the, how do you reinforce the new pattern? Because I imagine so, like, how do you stay on this new path of where you want to be versus falling it back to your default subconscious? Like where, what would be your tips for that? Or how do you see people navigate that? Cause that's, you know, gotta be the biggest challenge. We've had some bad programming and bad patterns for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Great question. So again, we need to come back to the brain. Think about a neural pathway in your brain that is connected like this. Okay. So for those of you who are just listening to audio, I have my two front fingers together and we're just going to go in there and we're just going to gently tease that pattern apart. And that, remember that pathway is responsible for an action, a behavior, a belief. So we have a belief in our head that says I'm small or I can't. Okay, great. Just going to go in there and we're just going to tease that pattern apart. And that channel, your brain, it has plasticity. The next thing that's going to happen is it's going to rewire. It's going to snap into brand new channels. It will not have a void there in the brain. So it's just going to rewire itself. Now, do you think that you can possibly take that action again? The old action, the one that didn't work, my action of quitting. Can I go back and now be a quitter? 
I mean, it, by how you're describing it, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to. And I it's, can't. once you see it, you can't unsee it. Is that kind of the- once you upgrade the brain, you will not go back to old, unworkable actions, behaviors, beliefs. That's got the brain is brilliant for people then like thinking like, I don't like this can change. I can change these patterns permanently. Yes. Permanently. I'm not talking temporarily like we would with um, hypnosis or affirmations or positive thinking. This isn't a temporary shift. This is a brand new person that arises into the space called you. A person who is now effective where you used to be ineffective, capable where you used to be incapable. How liberating just to know that like, I don't have to also live in that pattern. You know, I can actually truly put it to bed, assuming that I did it in the right ways of being able to address it, overcome it, um, surrender to it, right? If we don't use that, if we don't surrender, that is just to me, so liberating. There's just so much peace that comes with that sentiment um, of feeling like I can detach. It no longer has to be a part of how I see myself, experience my life, so on and so forth. So you're basically giving the gift of peace to people, Adele. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I like to say happiness, yeah. peace of mind. That is your birthright. That is what your brain is designed to live like. Right? We have made everything so complicated only because we haven't known about brain patterns. It's only been in a few decades that uh, neuroscience has had the brain scanners to be able to peek inside the brain and non-invasively. So all of this is brand new and it's going to revolutionize We do the way we do everything on this planet. Leadership is just one starting point, but right. it will revolutionize everything. And well, yeah, absolutely. Peace of mind, happiness, confidence, these are built into your brain when you know how to work the brain. I love that. Like I know before our call or before we actually started recording the podcast, you were sharing that you're doing a lot of work with um, bigger corporate clients. I'm curious because again, we're talking about something that I feel like CEOs aren't addressing that. They're not talking about their employee patterning and what that needs to be. But how are you actually seeing companies, organizations, leaders start to really embrace this way of how we can look at, you know, making greater impacts or being the person that we want to be? How are you seeing them really embrace this approach of patterning or really human behavior? Like how we can, I guess, take a part in that versus saying, we just want to train you to be able to do this skill. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we were talking about whole beings, right? Like like really creating corporations in which the whole being shows up rather than just the skill or the talent shows up, right? Um, so what's going on today, Jen, that is creating the need for repatterning? Because one thing that we have to know as human beings is philosophies do not arise out of the blue, okay? They arise because of needs. And there is a very huge need that is arising today, which is causing us to have to rethink how we were looking at the brain. So what is that need? Every age has its plague, as I like to say, and ours is not COVID-19. <laughs> Our plague is mental illness. Why? What's going on? Well, when we look at the world today, we can see that the world is what I call speeding up. Change is occurring more and more rapidly. Yes, as the more people come on this planet, the more changes are occurring on this planet, the more the planet is speeding up. 
So what does that mean? Well, there was a point in history, let's go back 200 years, where a person could create patterns in their childhood and their life was stable enough that those patterns would carry them through to old age. That's no longer the case. <laughs> let's face facts, right? Your life changes year over year over year. Let's forget decades. It's changing that fast. And people today will need, what, three or four different careers in their lifetime? That's typically, right. I think, that was the latest stat, right? Yes. And I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what does that require? Brand new patterns, right? You can't rely on those old patterns. We got to face huge changes, which are global. And the pandemic is just one of those changes that are going to come at us faster and faster and faster. So this is why now corporations have to wake up and say, okay, I cannot just expect this person to come in and do this job because they're dealing, A, with all of these external stressors, which are pushing down on them. And the corporation has to be aware of that or else you're going to have massive amounts of absenteeism and presenteeism. Do you know what that means? Like I don't. Just, What's presenteeism? Oh, people coming up, draining the coffee pot, but they're actually not doing anything. They're not <laughs> contributing, right? So, you know. Both of those are, are massively on the rise. So if unless we start to address people's whole being, it, those problems are just going to get worse and worse and worse. And mental illnesses are just going to get worse and worse and worse. So all of that is the reason why corporations, A, have to deal with it, and B, how, why repatterning or things, tools such as repatterning are showing up in the world today. I, you know, I love that. There are a lot of organizations that have obviously like a more and more of a vested and more connected interest in um, supporting mental health. But what would you say to the organizations that maybe still separate, right? It's like the separation of church and state, except for the separation of your life outside of this and how you respond to that and what you do here. What would you say to those organizations? What would be a piece of advice that you'd maybe share to those that still kind of believe like that's not worth, we give you a paycheck. Isn't that good enough? Why should we have to step in and support your mental health, Adele? Come on. What would you, what would be some advice that you would share? Maybe considerations like that they maybe haven't thought about before. Yeah. So the biggest uh, buzzword in the, in corporate world today is resilience, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what, what is resilience? It's the ability to bounce back from adversity. It's the ability to take a challenge and deal with it and bounce back from it and create those creative solutions that are needed um, and deal with the emotional upset that comes with those stressors. As I said, the world today is speeding up and those stress factors are pushing down into the corporate world. So it's not that the corporation itself has to change. It's that those external stressors now are going to force the corporation to have to change. It, it has to take care of their employees or else they're not going to survive. Right? That's yes. going to be the, the true um, absenteeism is just the first of the problems. That bottom line will start to be affected more and more and more as people lose focus, as people are struggling with worries at home, lack of sleep, all of that stuff is going to start affecting the entire team. So it's not even necessarily a choice anymore if you want to, you know, preserve that. It's understanding that there's a force that's happening beyond that corporation's control that's already going to push it. And you can just choose whether to deal with it or not. And you're going to see the positive or negative consequences that come from that. Yeah. Yeah. And and because there are some 
fantastic tools out there today, mine just being one of them, why not? Why not be a front runner and deal with it and attract those good uh, people, those skills that you need? Because people today are not just looking for a corporation to give them a paycheck. They're looking for a place to call home. So why not be a front runner and say, hey, yes, I'll I'll take care of you. You take care of us. <laughs> and to me, that just makes total sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. When I think about even when I initially started out as a coach, right? People would be like, I'm looking for a career coach. And those ambitious people are like, I'm looking for that career coach. It's going to help me elevate my performance. And the piece I'm like, I've always said to, I'm like, I, I call myself a career and life coach because you don't get to put them into a vacuum and manage them accordingly like that. That is just not the way that we are designed. That's not how our brain is going to think because I can't shut off my emotions at nine and be like, you know what? I know that my grandpa's really sick, but it's I'm on the clock now. So I can't care about that anymore. Or I'm really disturbed about this. Like, Hey, I'm in a meeting. I'm not going to think about it. Like that's just not happening. Oh my gosh. So how do you work? Like how, cause I really, I believe in the work that you do and I think it's so essential. So how are you working with some of the organizations? Like what is some of the work that you're doing with their teams, with their leaders to support this? I just think it's such important work, Adele. Oh yeah. So what's super exciting is, um, I've partnered up with, um, and a client of mine actually, she was, she's an amazing powerhouse. And she has a company called Heartbeat AI, in which she measures emotions within the corporation. So she comes in, she researches, she can actually measure the level of resilience and the level of stress. And she can predict what the issues are going to be in the future based on that emotional pulse of the corporation. So her and I partnering together is amazing because she comes in, she she can measure, she can show exactly where the problems are going to be, what needs to be targeted. I come in, I support the team members, only those who are willing. I don't even have to work with the entire team. We can shift a team just by working with key people within that team. So shift their patterns, that shifts the resilience within that team. Then she comes back in and measures and we guarantee our results because we can see them right there in the surveys and what she does, show the real results on week over week over week. And you just watch the resilience go up and the stress come down. Oh my gosh. I would love to go back to so many organizations that I've worked for and be like, will you check the pulse of this? Because I would just be curious to kind of see what the observations, the findings are, and then just say, yeah, all those problems actually did happen. I mean, what if, you know, I what if organizations actually had a rating system of like, this is your organizational pulse. It's a B or you're feeling it or you're, you know, it's an A for excellence. Like, is there a way that you could actually go out and say, here's all of our data that we've collected. And if you're doing these things, like you're at an F and here's the things that if you don't address them, like this is only going to have, you know, impact your decisions, your profits, your turnover, what else comes down the line. But I think it'd be so helpful for organizations to have that because right now I think the grading system that they have are, you know, employee survey results, which who knows if the employees even do them, if they did them on a good day or bad day, or you have people that went to your glass door and are like, I love this company or I don't love that company. But I like that you're coming up with a real tool to assess like, this is really what's going on. And it's not necessarily from maybe the people that you always want to hear from. So it might be more have bias. It's from at a different level. I just think that's so important. And I wish more organizations could actually be, because if you think about 
what that would do if I knew as an employee that an organization had an A rating for a, you know, its pulse for its culture, how it treats people. I want to work for those cultures. Right? Exactly. So how I don't want to work for the ones that are the F or they don't have and see me as an individual that has flaws that is still working through stuff, but also has best intentions for what I can do for you. Like, I just wish that you could almost take that data and make it public. So people could be like, how do I find those people? Cause I want to work at those companies. Yeah. And, but I mean, most importantly too, I mean, at least the work that you're doing is not only being able to identify it, but then saying, here's a roadmap for how you can change. Like you're not stuck there. Going back to how we even opened the conversation is like, there, like change is something that can always occur. If there is willingness, if there is, you know, I don't want to butcher it in the way that we've talked about it from patterns, but we can always grow and change. We can always choose a new path. And so maybe it's not the place for the organization to be blaming and shaming themselves, but it's to say, what's the new path you want to create for your team? Yeah. And Um, the beautiful thing about resilience is it's actually occurring on two different levels. There's a resilience within a team which we can measure based on the level of optimism within that team. And we're finding that the more optimistic a team is, the more resilience there is at the individual level and vice versa. If you can rebuild, if you can rebuild, sorry, if you can build the resilience within individual members of that team, that increases the resilience of the entire team overall. So, you know, you said, Um, not from a position of blame and shame. Absolutely. Because there are some members of teams who are, okay, can I just say it? They're not at the maturity level to own their own patterns, to take on that level of responsibility. By you saying that there are a million people that are like, yes, I've worked with that person. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it's unfair to say you have to. Because they can't, right? So so we don't have to. We can just work with a portion of that team and just working with 20% of those who are willing members of their team to own their patterns, it increases the entire resilience of the entire team because each supports the other, which is amazing. There's a true ripple effect in terms of how they all interact. Yeah. Now, the work that you're doing is so important. I'm so glad that you even took time out of your schedule to be able to talk and sit down with me for our listeners of The Leadership Habit. Um, we talked about your book. I know that you're working on more. So Adele's book, Shift, Four Steps to Personal Empowerment. Adele, how can people get in touch with you and how can they work with you? Where should where would where would they go to get in touch with you and learn more? Yeah, best place is my website, adelspragan.com. They can get uh, and if they want a free copy of my book, you can get it there, but you can also get it at Shift Four Steps, and that's the number four. But I'm sure you'll put all of this in the copy notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and just all I ask is that you pay for shipping and I will send you a signed copy. Oh my God. That is a fantastic offer. And again, I, I am, um, I started reading this book. I'm about quarter to halfway through. And I can tell you that you have said things that I actually have not been exposed to yet. And so I just really appreciate the way that you've um, shared this, written this. And most of all, I appreciate the work that you're doing to help people truly maximize the type of life that they live. Adele, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was great. Oh, thank you for having me, Jen. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adele. Now, if you want to know more about Adele, connect with her, get her free book, 
you can head on over to her website, adelsbragan.com. And if you know someone as you're listening that could really benefit from hearing Adele's message, don't forget to share this podcast episode with them. Help them see their new possibilities or the potential outcomes they could see as a result of reprogramming. And of course, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time. 